0: Mission Joy, a podcast from the Episcopal Diocese of Western North Carolina. Tune in and join the mission to share and spread joy. Welcome everyone to Mission Joy, a podcast from the Episcopal Diocese of Western North Carolina. I am Oscar Rosso, missionary for Latino Hispanic ministry in WNC. And today it is an honor and a huge joy and a blessing to welcome Our two guests and good friends, the Director of Ethnic Ministry for the Episcopal Church, the Reverend Canon Anthony Guillen, and the Associate Missioner for Latino Hispanic Ministry and Program Development, the Reverend Samuel Borbon. Bienvenidos, welcome. So, even though uh, we have known each other for a while now, many of our listeners might not know you and so I would like to invite each of you to share with us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, where, uh, where are you from? Where do you come from and, and who you are? So why don't we begin with you, Anthony?
1: Okay, well, I grew up in Texas and I now live in California. I am Mexican-American by descent. I grew up in a small town, um, Stafford, Texas, outside of Houston, um, one of seven children. And um, we were relatively poor. My parents had very strong work ethic, and we strove to excel in the community and in our lives. We were hard workers and um, I personally, you know I, I think I was blessed with a fairly right mind most of my, my siblings and I and so we try to fit into the community in which we lived which was mostly Anglo and so um, at an early age, I realized that due to a number of circumstances that it was it was really a detriment to myself and my future to be Mexican. Um, we were clearly a minority and we were looked down upon. And so um, I was spanked as a young boy at the age of six, when I went to, the, to first grade for speaking Spanish on the playground. And I was very humiliated by that experience. And so I refused to ever speak Spanish again and didn't pick it up again until I was 32. Um, and then later when I was in high school trying to date and being told I couldn't go out with, you know, girls because I was Mexican, you know, reinforced the fact that there was something wrong with me. And so I chose to, um, it was a development, but I, I chose to reject everything that associated me with being a Mexican or Mexican American. Um, and in our home, the only thing that really sort of would, Marcus, I mean, we couldn't change our food. (laughs) But otherwise, you know, it, um, our home was, you know, we spoke English, and um, we lived a fairly, you know, American life. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s, that God nudged me and almost dragged me to Mexico as a missionary, uh, where I learned relearned Spanish, and uh, but learned about the Mexican culture, the richness of it, the beauty of it, um, the spirituality of the people, the history that I had no knowledge about. Um, and I came back to the States as a, as a I, I, I think of my experience in Mexico, I was there for four years I think of that experience as a rebirthing, uh, a rebirth experience. I came back from Mexico as a totally new person, uh, convinced that uh, God had led me through that, and that there was that my 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 life was now shaped by who I was as a Latino, as a Mexican American, and that I was no longer ashamed. I embraced who I was, and I wanted to offer that all of who I was uh, to Christ and to the church and to the people I serve. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you so much for sharing, Anthony. Um, many of us, you know, some, sometimes you, we see the Latino that we see the director of ethnic ministries, but, but we never think, you know, beyond that title. And, and thank you so much for sharing um, that part of your story with us. So uh, Padre Samuel, tell us about yourself.
2: Um, Hello, everyone. I'm Samuel Borbón. I'm the middle child. I'm the third of five brothers and sisters. Um, I grew up in Mexicali, Baja California, Mexico. So so I'm Mexican with a connotation from the border. I grew up right on the border, which is another what we call the border culture. Um, So we were so close to the states that we grew up celebrating I don't know, Halloween, Thanksgiving, those kind of uh, celebrations. But we also celebrated, uh, no sé, el 16 de septiembre, like Independence Day in Mexico, and Christmas as a family gathering. So I grew up in Mexicali, went to seminary when I was 13, 14 years old uh, in the Roman church. Uh, So basically my younger life was in seminary. I spent from... I spent in seminary 13 years in formation. Um, So before my ordination, I went to my my seminary. One of the best things that happened to me was that my seminary was just five blocks away from my home. So it was so easy to go back and forth from my house to seminary. Even... um, even in, in, during the week, if I wanted to eat something different, I would call my mom and say, Mom, uh, what did you do for lunch today? And if she said tortillas, frijoles, something like that, I would say, okay, can you come and pick me up? <laughs> <laughs> and we were so close that it was so easy to do that. Um, so I really enjoy my seminary. I come from a family that it's... We are very close together with my brothers and my parents. We're so we have a beautiful relationship. We have always had a uh, close relationship. Uh, so seminary wasn't so hard because it was so close to my house that I that it was easy to to be with them. Um, seminary was a beautiful experience uh, in the Roman Church. Um, it was a beautiful experience. Most of the things that I know that I learn, and a lot of who I am, it's because of the formation that I got during those years in seminary. Mm. Um, I came to the United States in 2005 uh, because the Diocese of Fresno, California in the Roman church invited me. They were needing um, bilingual priests. Especially Latinos, um, anyone who spoke Spanish, they were kind of inviting us because of the lack of priests there in the in San Joaquin Valley. Uh, so I came to the diocese in two thousand and five, got ordained in two thousand and seven, and served there for four years in the diocese, which was a beautiful. Again, I don't have anything bad to say about the Roman Church. I grew up there. My family, my parents are still, uh, even though they come to church in in the Episcopal Church when they come to visit, but when they're in Mexicali, they just go to the Roman church and they consider themselves um, Roman Catholics. There's no presence of an Anglican church in Mexicali. Um, I think that they're working on that, but up to this day, there's not a service or anything going on in in Mexicali, so that's what we knew when we grew up. The Roman Church was the best option for us, that fit. Um, and for some reason, I grew up knowing that I was called to be a priest. Um, and it always challenged me because my older brothers will always say, "Like, don't ever forget you who you are." Um, we want you to have your fit well on the ground. Um, some of our uh, of the experiences that we had in the Roman church was uh, some of my friends <clears throat> who got ordained, then they will start uh, speaking differently. They will have a different tone of voice mm-hmm. and they would change. You will see some kind of change. And my older brothers always will say like, we never want you to be like that because we will remind you who you are. And we will remind you where you're coming from. Uh so, so that was part of my formation, my older brothers, um being able to keep me well grounded on who I was and and to know my limitations and to know that I was serving God, not because I had a, anything special, um, but just the desire to serve and help and offer the best I had. Um so that's kind of my background. Uh, I put it like a lot of my family, uh, my formation and my family.
0: And it sounds like church. I mean, amazing that at 13 years of age, uh, you are so close to God to the point that, I mean, you started going to seminary. That is truly amazing. And, and speaking of, you know, this journey of joy, um, you know, regardless of who we are, uh, uh, we all are aware of. Um, God, we all are aware of whatever caused life in this world and, and, and gave us life and, and speaking, just piggyback on, 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 that, um, story that you were sharing of seminary, tell us uh, both of you about your journey of faith and, and think about, you know, as a, as a child, as a teenager and as a younger adult, you know, what, where was God in all this and, and, and how was that journey of faith? Uh, from those early years to today, to the role that you do now in the church.
1: So one of the things that uh, my family, my parents met at church. Uh, my father was an usher, and my mother sang in the choir. And um, they, um, when they were courting, um, they, uh, my dad would uh, go up the stairs to the choir loft to get the collection, and my mother would grab, you know, would give everybody's um, offerings. And she would go down the stairs, and they would kind of meet halfway, you know, just briefly as she handed him the offering from the choir, and you know, they sort of made eyes, you know, and and that was kind of that was pretty much you know their courting was was there in church. So church was 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 an important part of our growing up. Uh, my dad was a cursiista, and um, so it was. Very normative. I don't know. It seemed to me like we did this all the time, uh, but maybe we only did it during Lent. But I know that we did the rosary on Friday nights at home on our knees. Uh, and as a young boy, you know, that was pretty painful. But uh, my dad was so devoted. And um, my dad also had a, all, all of my growing up. He had a little prayer book in, the, in the, his glove compartment. In his truck and every day when he would come home from work we would all run out to greet you know daddy and he would open the door and kind of you know pat us on the head and give us his lunch uh, pail and then he would close the door and this was whether it was hot or cold you know in all year long he would then sit in his truck open his little prayer book and do his evening sort of devotions he never left the truck before he did his prayers uh, in private. Um, and then he, uh, he would, at night, before going to bed, he would stand uh, before the image of our Lady of Guadalupe in the bedroom, and he would say his evening prayers there uh, before he went to bed. So church was, so we were, we, we had a strong um, uh, faith, you know, that was, um, that we grew up with. Um, I too was you know felt called by God to be a priest at a very early age and um, a story that I remember was in the uh, the year that president kennedy was uh, was killed I was in the fourth grade and uh, he we it was announced that he had been shot and our teacher jumped up and uh, we were in art class and he jumped up and left and went to the hallway where all the teachers were congregated and you know visiting and and stuff and our class was just stunned and we just sat there Mm. and and suddenly everybody's kind of turning around looking at me and somebody says uh, um, back then I was going I used um, I was called John my name's John Anthony they all looked at me and they go John and I go what and they go we have to pray it was like you know and I mean, everybody was looking at me and it's like, well, it's like, why me? Well, everybody knows an ultra boy in, in church. And so, you know, and so I led them in the Lord's Prayer and maybe the Hail Mary. I don't remember. Um, I, I led them in a few prayers. But it was, it was pretty evident that people saw me as, as sort of a religious leader in me as, as a kid. Um, And it was around that time that I felt called, and I remember telling the nuns at church that I felt called to be a priest, and so it was always assumed that I was going to go to seminary, Um, but in high school, uh, I had a lot of conversations with God about why I felt so strongly called to be a priest, but also struggled with the idea of celibacy, and I had lots of conversations with seminarians and my parish priest about that. And um, you know, and, and I asked them, you know, how did they how did they deal with that? Uh, you know, and you know, I asked them if they were lonely. <laughs> and um, and, and they told me that they prayed. And I and I would just think, gosh, I am just not gonna make it. Um, and so I would I would ask God, and it's like it's like, One, why did you make me a Mexican? Why did you give me this dark skin? That was a fight that I had with God all my growing up. You know, why couldn't I be white like everybody else? You know, and not have to struggle so much. Um, So God and I had a lot of conversations around that. Uh, I didn't get an answer. Um, And the second one was, why did I grow up in this church and and feel so strongly called to priesthood and yet not be able to get married? so, um, and in both of those questions and prayers that I had with time, you know, I, I came to realize how those struggles actually ended up helping me be the person in the priest that I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm, you know, it was, it was in some ways it was, it was a hard struggle, but it was a, but I had a really strong faith and I had, uh, I had a very deep prayer life um, as a young man. Um, I was I left the Roman Church at 17. uh, Because I had issues with um, with my sense of exclusion. And, um, and I found the Episcopal Church when I was 19. And the minute I walked in, I knew that I was home. And made it my home. The very next Sunday, I brought my confirmation papers, and you know, uh, became a member of of uh, Saint Stephen's in Houston. Um, and then eventually ended up as a missionary in, in, in Mexico, and um, you know, have served the church for over thirty years as a priest, and uh, twelve or fifteen years as a layperson, as a youth minister. So I've you know years of service, um, you know, in the church, and. Um, but I, I, owe, I owe the Roman church a lot for its early formation, you know, the, the deep faith that I had and that my family, you know, raised me in. And uh, all the people, the priests, the nuns, and the and lay people that served there and how they helped shape who I was, mm-hmm. uh, who I am. Um, and, of course, the Episcopal Church has been such a blessing to me, um, I've had just so many incredible experiences and know so many people in in the church Um, and in this position that I've been able to travel. um, You know, it's just every day I am more and more aware of God's presence in my life. And I'm eternally grateful. For that,
0: wow! Thank you for sharing, Anthony, and and how beautiful. You know that that image that you presented just at the beginning—that uh, the beginning of your faith, of of your experience of church—wasn't a physical church in itself, but it was your father, your family was your church, uh, and, and and that's that's beautiful, uh, and the whole journey. So thank you for sharing, Anthony. So Padre Samuel.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing, Anthony, because in a way I feel the same or very similar to your experience because I knew that I was very religious in my heart and my relationship with God. I did build a relationship with God when I was like younger before going to seminary, but I just hated it going to church. It wasn't my favorite thing to go to church on Sundays um especially on the church that we went, uh, to all the kids, we will bring them, like they will bring us to the front and they will sit us facing the people. And for a nine, 10-year-old introvert, I just hated it. I wanted always to get um late to church. So they won't they wouldn't take me to the front. <laughs> and besides, if I was in the front, I needed to behave. Like, I needed to be quiet. I needed to be putting attention because my mom was looking at me and my dad. <laughs> so church was always hard for me. Um, I did my first communion, like, thinking, I don't know, 30 years ago, doing your first communion when you were 12. Like, I did it with a group of adults who were getting ready to marry. <laughs> And that's why they were doing their first communion. So I didn't. I went to to catechism with the with other children my age, but I wasn't able to stay on the group. Like um, I always thought that faith needed to be something that would bring me or bring people happiness, that would enjoy, that would have fun that will be entertaining in a way, um, and and not just a place where you need to sit down and put serious face and just like if you were crying almost. So it was really hard for me. Even when I went to seminary, I remember my friends, uh, it was the opposite that Anthony, like my friends were the first ones who said like, you the seminary are you gonna be a priest like no way como like and and even my family will say well uh your older brother looks more like a priest than you because I always was telling jokes I always was laughing um doing travesuras here and there (laughs) and um I love to scare my mom at that age like I will hide a under the bed and will grab her leg and and that that was me I, I was I wasn't like the well kid behave who everyone expected to be a priest like I was the opposite on that but but my relationship with God was 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 very close um and deep I will say that it was very deep too so when I went to seminary when I started seminary I remember one of the priests uh my one of my Maybe my first or second spiritual director who used to say, like, don't worry about trying to fit the box of what a priest or seminary should look like, because God is calling you and maybe it's calling you to bring people like you to church.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So so that, that was very, that impacted me a lot. Um, God is calling me so I can bring people like me to church. And since I didn't like the way church, like the way church was in the congregation that I was going, that it was like, we needed to be sitting down and no one could laugh, no one could talk. I, I always imagine church different than that. You're always called and you always have a mission in your life. It could be a priest, it could be something, a, a husband, a wife, um, a doctor. It could be anything, a teacher, but you're always called to, to bring Jesus with you and to share that Jesus. And there's no one way, no one right way of doing it. When I left the, the Roman church and I found the Episcopal church, when I left the Roman church, it was so hard for me because like, my whole life had been in the Roman church and I had nothing but good experiences Uh, from the Roman church but when I learned about the Episcopal church and I went to to the first my first mass in the Episcopal church in a way I was so glad to find the Episcopal church because I was I felt like oh this is what I was looking for like this is what I was telling them how church should be
0: that that is beautiful uh Samuel and and one of the things that i love about you as a priest is that you're so you're so real uh, Samuel Borbone is the priest that you know that you are as a, as a person as an individual and and i find that just so um inspiring and amazing so thank you both for sharing thank you um, so this is another question that i have uh, i came to the episcopal church in 2004 and uh, I was part of the Latino ministry within uh, an Anglo church. And, and even though we were welcomed and in, we were part of uh, this church, there was this, you could sense this division between Anglo and Latino community. And, and so I'm, I'm curious about your experience, uh, you know, from the moment that you came to the Episcopal church uh, to today, uh, have you seen this divide between Anglo and Latino community, if there is any, if you have experienced any, and, and what are the changes that we have experienced in the church from those moments to, to now?
1: Well, when I came to the Episcopal Church, as I said, I was nineteen, and I came as an Anglo, <laughs> you know, dark-skinned Anglo, but you know, my formation uh, very Anglo, and so I it I, it fit in with my with who I was at that time um and i was well received in in that congregation um but you know after i came back from um from mexico and began to um sort of um and i came to serve in the us i began to see um lots of um I, had, I began to see and I began to experience, I began to experience um, racism, uh, discrimination. Um, I saw people's attitudes. Um, I saw their faces and how they responded to to uh, ministry with and amongst Latinos. Um, I began to hear stories from colleagues, you know, across the church. Um, when I, I, So when I came back from Mexico, I went to seminary in Austin. And again, I, I think overall um, I was, you know, I felt at home and I felt well, uh, I felt welcomed. But when I got to California at the first parish that I served at, they had just started a Latino ministry about a year before I arrived, and the congregation was very um, uh, supportive of it. And I had a lot of people that were, you know, really pleased with with the way the Latinos were um, responding. I had a great experience at that parish, and then I came to the church that I served at for thirteen years as rector. Um, the first parish was uh, St. Clement's by the Sea in San Clemente. I served in San Clemente for two and a half years and then was called as rector of all saints in Oxnard, where I served for 13 years. And that is where I began to really see uh, people's reaction to Latinos in, in the white church. The so congregation was about 99% Anglo when I arrived. And, um, with, and they, they wanted to reach out to the Latino community. As soon as I arrived, you know, people left. Um, and when we began to grow the Latino congregation, more Anglos left um, and, um, uh, and that was pretty, that was pretty painful. Um, we had a lot of experiences, you know, clash that happened Uh, I remember a a family that left, because um, uh, the young girl, you know, had told her father that she didn't feel comfortable in Sunday school anymore, because there were so many Mexicans in the in the classroom, even though her school was that way. I mean, you know, the town was 79% Latino. So, you know, her classroom had to have been just like that. But yet, you know, um, those were those were the things that that were really disheartening. And then I began to serve the church, I was elected to executive council. Um, and I began to see um, the disparity as I, you know, I heard people's comments. And um, as I said, I heard stories of people uh, in congregations, I remember a story of a congregation that began, and this is, so, this is so typical of Latino ministry in this country. I mean, it hasn't happened everywhere, but it's happened enough. I've seen and heard how Latinos who have come into the church because we've extended invitation, have after they've made their place in the life of the church, how they are pushed out because they grow. And I see this happened in so many places. One congregation in particular has a phenomenal history of having started in one church. <clears throat> and after they grew, were kicked out and they went to a, a neighboring church in the same city. And after they grew with new people, you know, they were kicked out and they went to a third site. And after they grew, they were kicked out of that church, you know, and only to end up at the church that they were started, you know, and, and, and so many people that so many Latinos that, you know, were hurt by that experience, um, dioceses that have started Latino ministries for, you know, a two or three year period, they bring people together and then but they don't get either a sizable enough group or, you know, they don't feel that the, the people have responded financially. And so there's no more money and they close the, the ministry down you know, with no regard for people's feelings and, um, and, their, and how it's affected them spiritually because it's been one more closed door, you know. Um, so many, especially when we consider, you know, so many of our immigrants who experience doors closing in their face, you know, uh, again and again, you know, starting at the border, of course, but, you know, when they arrive in their communities, when they try to find a place to live, when they try to find a job and then they go to the to church and, you know, they're told in so many different ways that they're not welcome. Um, that what they have to bring, you know, is is not um, it's not worthy. Um, so I see a lot of I see a lot of a lot of issues. And I've experienced it in terms of the the larger institution. Um, And that's the thing that I, I, in terms of my leadership, the things that I challenge. um, I was told a number of years ago that when I came to the church center and Latino ministry began to get sort of recognized that we were now the current fad of the church. Um, I've seen people in meetings roll their eyes when I've described the growth of the Latino presence in the church. You know, I've had people in the church tell me that they would rather have their church burn than let those Mexicans in uh, to my face. Um, And yet, I know the gift that we are for the church. And I have seen the communities that have welcomed Latinos, and I see the these incredibly beautiful multicultural ministries, these multicultural congregations where everybody has come together, where they're sharing their gifts and they're learning about one another. And there's great joy because we're all together. You know, so in spite of all the, the, um, the discrimination and the outright racism, um, there is also a, a lot of welcome and a lot of embrace and a lot of celebration of uh, what the church is becoming. So it's not without a struggle um, and it's not without some some sadness and and hurt, but uh, we are forging ahead. And I believe that Latino ministry is helping the church become the church um, of the future. Um, Just like the country's changing the church is changing and we're helping to make that happen.
2: I, I think that I was formed as a mission developer in my ministry. And when I started my ministry, my, my idea, my job was to bring people into church and to bring people into a relationship with God. And hopefully the church will be an instrument. Um, but when I started in the Episcopal Church, um I did experience that bringing people into the church into the community wasn't wasn't so easy because as much as we say all are welcome, but sometimes we were welcome as renters or we were welcome as low- class citizens that you can use the basement <laughs> for your services. Um, so so I did experience, uh, some of what Anthony was just mentioning, um, even even uh, as a priest, if you are a Latino priest, it's harder to find a full-time job in in a congregation. You have to look for two congregations, maybe three congregations to be able to to complete a full-time job. Um, so, so I did see the, I did experience um, the challenges that we have as Latinos but i also i can say that through through the ministry of anthony and and others before other missionaries i think that there's a change of mentality now and there's a willingness to learn and to be able to 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 embrace not just latinos but to embrace diversity in the church i remember one of the first sermons that i heard from the presiding bishop even before I started working for, for the FMS, uh, the presiding bishop was saying, Jesus is knocking on our doors and not because he wants to come in, but he wants us to go out. And and for me, that was a clear message that there's a change of mentality. There's, there's a willingness. Uh, and I think we're in the process. Uh, we haven't got there yet. Uh, we still have some remaining experiences, but I think that we have changed the way and we're walking through the path, through a new path of embracing diversity, embracing, um, community in our congregations. Thank you, Padre Samuel.
0: How does your work bring joy to you? So, uh, Padre Samuel.
1: Oh, gosh, um. I get so many things about my ministry that uh, bring joy to me. Um, it's, it's, I get full of joy when I see uh, people coming into the church, finding, finding a home, feeling welcomed, feeling that their gifts are recognized and, um, I I I love hearing the stories when I travel around the church from individuals, from from the laity, when they tell me about how their lives have changed since they've come into the church. um, About their prayer life, about their relationships, about a sense of ministry. So many beautiful, I mean, just beautiful stories that just bring tears to my eyes. I love going to places and hearing people and seeing people discover their gifts and discover that, um, and and to see how people um, tell me about how their intelligence is valued, um, that some of them have had horrible experiences in other churches where they're made to feel dumb because they had a question and in, and they come to the church and we and we encourage them to ask questions and so just the conversations and of course the institutional uh, advances that we've made to see the amount of resources that are being produced in spanish today uh, to see uh, the church offer interpretation at, at large events so that we can all be together. You know, there's so many things that have happened. And, just, um, and to see the church truly become the multicultural, multi-ethnic, uh, multilingual church that I believe that we ought to be that, and, and to feel that I'm a part of that, that brings me tremendous joy and satisfaction.
2: For me, it's about connecting Uh, church and our ministry. It's about connecting to connecting to God, but also connecting between each other. Um, I don't know if you're aware or the people that are listening are aware, but there's priests in the middle of nowhere where there's no one to talk to, where there's not a colleague that they can express how they feel or the challenges that are facing um, the situations that they have to deal with. And connecting with them and being able to to listen and to hear their stories, that brings me joy. Um, I have been blessed to be in diocese where there's more than five, six Latino priests that they can share. And, And that's another joy, like coming together and sharing and sharing a meal and sharing a meeting and just see how things are going. That's that brings me joy, um, as well as the ministry connecting people to God, connecting people to to their community to try to make an impact in the places that they live. That's, that's a joy that I get, Oscar. Thank you, uh,
0: Father Samuel. Uh, the next uh, question, uh, how does the work <laughs> you do further the mission of the church? Father Anthony.
1: I believe that the work that I do help further the mission of the church because we are um, helping to build communities of faith. We're trying to provide the resources for those communities of faith for the leaders, both clergy and lay. And those communities of faith, of course, then, you know, do the real work. I mean, the work that I do, I, I, I'm not, I'd like to think of myself as, a, as an evangelist, but but I'm I'm really an empowerer of and a uh, community leader of evangelists. I mean, it's the people in the pew that are the people that are going out and sharing their faith. And, and so what I'm doing is helping the organization To raise up vocations and to prepare leaders and lay leaders so that they can do their ministry, so that they can be agents of reconciliation and shares of the good word of the good news. And so I'm just helping to make all that happen. Thank you, Padre. And Padre Samuel.
2: You know, the the presiding bishop has been talking about the way of love and the different steps for the way of love or stages of the way of love. So for me, I think that just like we were doing right now, looking back and see a transformation, see that I have been transformed, that people has been transformed, and the church has been transformed. I think that's that's the way I see my ministry uh, going on. Like, that's where I can see that God is doing his ministry, like God is doing his will through us because I understand our ministry to be transformative and I can see that happening um, through the way of love. Thank you, Padre Samuel. And the
0: last question on the hardest one, um, and we'll begin with Padre uh, um, Anthony. How can we work, uh, how can the work we do uh, bring joy to others?
1: How can the work we do bring joy to others? Well, I think we have to love what we do um, and and therefore, and if we love what we do and I love what I do, um, people can see that they can feel that, and it's and joy's contagious you know, so um I love what I do I'm happy in my ministry, and I think it comes across, and I think that that's a uh, and that inspires and encourages and um, others um, in in their ministry. I just I give all of myself to what I do, and I hope that people can see Christ's love through me.
2: I agree um, that our work uh, needs to we need to bring the gospel of love of liberation, a gospel that impulses others to be who they are called to be, not to come and fit how we are we want them to be because sometimes that's one of the challenges uh, when people uh, are getting to know the Episcopal Church I remember hearing people oh bring the Latinos and we will teach them how to be Episcopalians And I was like, <laughs> we haven't been very successful in that. <laughs> so so I don't think that we're called to teach people how to be Episcopalians but we are called to to bring the gospel of love, and help people explore their gifts and empower them in a way that they can share those gifts and let God uh, take care of the rest. So, so I would put it like that.
0: Thank you, Padre Samuel and, and Padre Anthony for the work that you do, for the love that you bring to all the church and, and for the challenge that you bring to the whole, uh, the national church and all of us to just um, build churches that are fully diverse and that are fully present to the love of God. And, and to end, I would like to share um, my own experience of joy and how uh, what I do brings joy to, to this diocese. Uh, as many of you know, uh, my wife, my children my four-legged dog and cat came with us uh, to this diocese back in August, and one of the things that I've been trying to do a lot is just get to know to know the whole diocese, get connected with each church and each uh, priest and 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 deacon and community, and and learn about God through this journey and and walk together, uh, learn the diversity of people and and and, and just meet God in every corner of uh, this diocese. And, and that brings immense joy to me. And it remind, reminds me of um, a God that, that that is way beyond um, my experience and helps me to learn of others' experiences. That is uh, what brings joy to me. That's uh, some of the ways that I bring joy to this diocese, I hope, and um, I'm extremely thankful for this time again. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, Thank you, Padre Samuel, and um, Virginia, who has helped us through uh, this uh, recording. Uh, Blessings to all of you, and remember that God loves you.